I get the frustrations, roll up your sleeves and get to it. I'm honored to be part of a team and we're mostly millennials that run an association in Los Angeles. Hi friends and welcome to the Assyrian Podcast. My name is Steve and it is so good to be here with you on episode 12. On this episode, we get to know Ramon Tash. Ramon has a law degree from Loyola University Law School in Los Angeles, California. And he has a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of California at Berkeley. For the past several years, he's worked as an attorney at a boutique litigation firm in downtown Los Angeles, and in the next month, he'll actually be launching his very own private law practice out of Los Angeles. Ramond, on top of all that, is the president of the Assyrian American Association of Southern California. Ramon's work inspires me because he approaches everything with a level of professionalism and the desire to improve. He really cares about the current circumstances for Assyrians and he also cares about the future of Assyrians. His team in Los Angeles is innovative in what they're doing for the association and I think you're going to catch a feel for that in this episode. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for all of your support. We're getting tons of emails and messages and people reaching out and thanking us for doing the podcast. We're actually having such a blast doing it and meeting all kinds of people and getting to know their stories. So thank you all for your support. I want to give a special shout out to Stephen Lelham. Stephen has been doing all of our social media our pictures and our postings. He's been such a wonderful addition and has been so supportive with his social media skills. So look up Stephen Lelham when you get the chance. I also want to thank our sponsor, John Oshana from HomeSmart. Whether you're thinking about purchasing or selling your home either in Arizona or California, contact John Oshana Real Estate Professional at 209-968-9519 on Facebook at John O'Shauna Realtor, or at John O'Shauna on Instagram. Thanks, John, for being our sponsor on the Assyrian Podcast. If you know someone who should be on the Assyrian Podcast, go to our website, www.assyrianpodcast.com, and nominate them. We've got a form on there that you can fill out and get more folks to be on the Assyrian Podcast. And now, here's Ramon Tash. Originally born in England, which is really unique for an Assyrian, which is really cool. I want to talk a little bit about that. You have your economics degree from UC Berkeley, and then you have a minor in ethnic studies. And then you went and got a master's degree from Loyola Marymount, where actually it wasn't a master's. It was a law degree, right? So you're officially a lawyer. You pass the bar and everything. And you're starting your own law firm. You've worked for other law firms. And on top of all that stuff, you are the president of the Assyrian American Association of Southern California. Thank you for having me, Steve. It's good. It's a pleasure to be here on the podcast. And going back to your last name, can you spell it and tell us a little bit about its origins? Sure. It's got one vowel. So it's T-A-K-H-S-H. Uh, it's, a, it's a Persian word. My, my family, I'm Assyrian, my family's from Iran. My original last name, from what I've been told, you know, a century ago or a little more than that, was something like Baba or Babila, something to that effect. But uh, after the genocide, I don't know what happened, but my last name was changed to Tash, and Tash is actually a 
a very rare uh, Persian word. It comes from the Shahnameh, which is the Book of Kings. It's basically the Iranian equivalent of Homer's Iliad, what the Iliad and the Odyssey are to ancient Greece, like the epic of what you know. And uh, the, it's called the uh, Book of Kings. And uh, the protagonist in the book, in, in that epic, it's a very big vo volume of a very large piece of work. And uh, the protagonist of the, of the book uh, had a bow and arrow and it was called Tash. I, I don't know the reasoning. I, I don't know. I, I, it could be my grandfather, whoever did it, just was reading it and he just liked that name. I don't know the reasoning. My father doesn't know. I, it just, it is what it is. It's, uh, it's, but it's funny how those little things can like affect yeah. generations subsequently at one after the other. You got your uh, undergraduate in economics. Much like anyone in undergrad, you kind of are in limbo. So like my first year, I was just taking different courses, see what I would like. And uh, I kind of, you know, declared in economics the second year. And it was good because you guys get a, get a, a knowledge of, of economics from that micro and macro level. Um, and it was also like a... I, I was thinking about going to law school at that point. I wasn't 100% sure. When, when you're like 19, 20 years old, a lot of people just don't know what they want to do. And that's perfectly understandable. And at that time, it was I was kind of debating about law school. And I thought that either way, economics was a good, whether I was going to do like business school. I definitely wanted to do grad school. So whether it was going to be law school, business school, something else, I did think that the economics degree, apart from the fact that I enjoyed the field, uh, was a good uh, foundation for definitely. For so. And so I did, uh, I did minor in Middle Eastern studies because I did have that, I was very fascinated with, not just with Assyrian history, but with Middle Eastern history. Um, I, I took courses, for example, like on the Iranian revolution, uh, the, uh, with pan-Arabism and, and stuff like that, which have some similarities to, uh, with Assyrian history, but it was, it was, a, it was a good, and also gave me an excuse to, whenever they, uh, made incorrect statements about a serious music. No, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. I think a lot of people can attest to whether they're in elementary school, middle school, high school or college where someone makes a, a inaccurate statement about our people. So, yeah. And I think we all appreciate uh, intellectual approach to what it means to be an Assyrian and for you to have gotten that minor is awesome. Um, but going back to your economics degree, I know we're on the Assyrian podcast, but we all want to know, is it, is it the right time to buy Bitcoin? Is it the currency of the future? I'm not actually, it's, I, I, <laughs> I'm actually going to invest in a little bit of Bitcoin. Uh, I do think that if the jury is, I think is still out a little bit. Uh, don't anyone hold me to this. I'm not Jim Cramer. I'm not anyone on CNBC or, uh, or any other business channel, but, uh, I, I, if there's proper regulation, I guess, uh, I, I think that could be the wave of the future. But, uh, but you know, who knows? So. so you heard it here first on the Assyrian podcast. If if we want to build a better Assyria, we need to start investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> They're going to come up with one called the Nimrud. Watch out. Oh, we, sh we, we should be doing that. I know. We'll start mining pretty soon. That one will be the highest selling one there is. If so any, If anyone listens to that... Make sure you, you give me the credit on that one. Yeah, right? so. blockchain. Um, so what you ended up getting your law degree from Loyola Marymount, and then you worked at a firm, and now you're starting your own firm. And I know I just broad stroked a lot, but tell us more there. So yeah, I went to law school. I uh, I became a lawyer in 2010, and I've been work I was working at a firm. A couple I worked at a couple of different firms. I worked at a, a 
most recently a small firm in downtown Los Angeles that, that does primarily employment litigation, uh, business formation. Basically, if someone wants to start a business, whether it's a corporation or a company, based on the business laws of the business laws of the state, uh, contracts, uh, personal injuries, those those things of that nature. And recently, I've just decided to, much like a lot of other lawyers, that just open up your own shop because sometimes, you know, my, my dad always says the ultimate goal is to work for yourself. So, you know, if you're putting all that hard work, why not just take, you know, do it for yourself? And so I'm kind of taking that uh, thinking and applying and we'll see what happens. So I'm starting, that firm uh, will be starting just kind of working out the kinks of getting it started. Do you know any other Assyrians that are lawyers that have started their own firms? Yeah, there's plenty. Um, in in Los Angeles, there's a couple people I know. Uh, uh, there's two brothers that have their own law firms. They've been practicing for about 20 years. And have you consulted with any other Assyrians for direction or anything like that? I mean, that, well, also, I do want to make a, a small plug for the Assyrian American Bar Association that was started a couple years ago in Chicago. And they've asked me to be a, uh, like a Southern California representative to kind of get... What is that? Basically, it's a professional organization, much like there's an engineering society or a medical association or, or you know, based on the field. Of, so it's just a group of it's a, attorneys that will, for networking purposes, but also to serve the community. Uh, because obviously there's, it's, it's always better to, I feel like our community, immigrant community, maybe are not well versed in the laws of the st- of sure. what the state they live in or the country and just to, to, to kind of better inform them to keep because always we always want a well-informed citizenry um, uh, of the laws and and legal advice and this and that and also for, for each other to kind of work together all other minorities have you have Iranian American Bar Association you have Armenian you have different Asian Pacific so Islanders you- so, so it's just kind of following that realm and so um, that goes to like the idea of like the direction network because I think everyone a lot of them do connect uh, for, for, for different things so and have you been able to connect with a lot more Assyrians through that? I've been connected with a few of them definitely and uh, we do have a group of attorneys in Los Angeles uh, Assyrian attorneys we, I think we have about a dozen or so. What's the deal? All these high-profile celebrities getting mm-hmm. taken to court? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they do that kind of stuff. You grew up in Sherman Oaks? So I was born in England, as you said. Yep. And uh, my uh, my parents fled the Iranian Revolution, much like a lot of Assyrians uh, did in uh, 1979. I was born in England in 82. My family came... We came here in 1989. Mm-hmm. I was seven years old. And uh, we lived in... North Hollywood. Well, it was like North. It, well, yeah, it was North Hollywood technically. I mean, there was the, the area that we were living in was like the borderline. Of I love it. Oaks. Assyrians so, in Hollywood. Well, the funny thing is because the Assyrian, our association, which we'll talk about, and uh, the churches were all in North Hollywood because that's where the Assyrians were. Yeah. It was one of those things where few Assyrians go there, and then. All of them. They all just follow, much like with where, with the presence of minorities in different cities. That's just how it usually starts. So there was a big presence of, like, where, of, of Assyrians in North Hollywood. That's not, not around anymore because people, you know, things change. They've moved out to the, the, the San Fernando Valley, Valencia, Santa Cruz, which is about 30 minutes north, Orange County, which is about 40 minutes south. Uh, so, but that's where we lived. And so, and then a few weeks later, a few years later, 1993, moved out to the the North San Fernando Valley. And that's where my family's been ever since. Dang, man. All the movie stars hanging out. 
you see some here and there. I, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but you see like Will Smith, you see Smokey Robinson. Uh, he lives in Chatsworth and you know, people are like, Hey, how you doing? Like, you know, things like that nature. Awesome. So, so what's it like to be starting your own law firm? It's, it's a risk. I mean, just like with any business that you start with any field, whether it's the, the restaurant business or, or a store, whatever it may be, there's always a degree of risk, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going in with a partner who's, uh, he's actually Chinese. So we're trying, we're both saying he'll handle a Chinese route. I'll handle the Assyrian route and then mm-hmm. Assyrian slash Middle Eastern route. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. And you know, life is too short not to make a risk here and there. And so it's, I think it's, it's not like a big risk, but we'll see what happens. And uh, I just hope this is just a good foundation for my life and career moving forward. So. And you love law, like you? I do like law. I mean, I, I, I love Assyrian stuff more than I love law, mm-hmm. but uh, I, do, I do like law a lot. I couldn't, do, I couldn't be a doctor. I don't have the stomach for it. I have a very weak stomach. Not in the sense of like, just like, if I see something as like blood and this, I was like, ah, yeah, it's a little much. So. Yeah. So going back to, you've got your own law firm going now, which is great. And then you're also president of the Assyrian American Association of Southern California. You don't have to do that. With your undergraduate in economics, with your law degree and you're starting your own firm, Ramon can do whatever he wants to do. You know, you don't need to focus your attention with Assyrians. So tell Assyrians all around the world who listen to the Assyrian podcast, what got you into the association? What keeps you as president of the association? And uh, where do you see it going? And what, what excites you about our people to be able to do all that for them? That's a lot to pack into one answer. I know. I'll give, I just I'll asked give it my five best. questions. I'll give, I'll give it my best. Awesome. Um, I think the, as far as the kind of the pride of being a Syrian and the stripe and the, and the desire to work for the community, I think it kind of stems from, I have a couple of elements on both sides of my family. Uh, on my mother's side, my mother is very uh, patriotic and my grandfather, like my he was very like well like well versed in the Assyrian language and and you know my mom was a teacher of Assyrian language kind of instilled that in us. On my father's side, I had uh, my my uncle was very involved in Iran and in Germany and uh, that's in like Assyrian affairs. So I kind of came into like I, not but it's something I kind of just developed. And my sister's also very uh, proud as well. So and. You know, you, you, it's, there's, a, there's a line that I, I use and I try to tell those that are on my board of directors. And it's, it's a line that says, uh, you know, I always wondered why somebody didn't do anything about that. But then I realized I was somebody. And that is just kind of like a reason to get involved. For me, that's what does it. You know, and, and I know that, you know, there's, there's people say, oh, like, why can't that? Have? I was like, well, you know what? You have two hands. You have two feet. Let's get, let's get to it. Get a, let's roll up our sleeves and let's do something about it. So you feel because a responsibility to serve. I do, I do, and uh, I kind of the what kind of start. It didn't start. I, it started before that, but re- what really got it going was in 2010. Um, if you remember the uh, unfortunate incidents in Iraq with the the bombing of there was a church mm-hmm. and the, and the, I think about 57, 58 people were their lives were taken. There was a series of black marches that had started. And uh, we, I, along with a few others, we had co-organized uh, the 
the one in LA. And it kind of just started from there for me. I mean, it had started before from other volunteer efforts, but it kind of just went to another level with that. And got, I got involved volunteering different things here uh, for different affairs here and there. And then in 2014, I became the vice president of the Assyrian American Association of Southern California. I served two years as vice president, and then I was lucky to be elected president uh, in 2016. I just got reelected to a second term. Good for you. Uh, thank you very much. And it's been great. I mean, I've, there's a great team. I mean, you're only as, as, as good as the people that you surround yourself with. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have a fan, like, to be, well, be part of a fantastic team. And uh, our, our goal with the association was to kind of take it to, to kind of redefine it as a more, a, a more all-encompassing organization. I think a lot of, and this is maybe a bit of a macro level, but when we came, when we first came to this country as Assyrians, the idea was, was what do we, and this is I mean, whether it was a hundred years ago or fleeing the genocide or fleeing Semel or whatever, and different the different waves. The idea was, what do we do to survive? We were in survival mode. So the creation, they created what's called social clubs. And that's the word that is kind of still used today, like a club. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That was like, I mean, you, you, you're come to a foreign land. You don't know anything. Like there's, you want to be able to kind of be amongst your own. And because that's the something that you're most familiar with to kind of keep your identity alive. Keep, you know, the, the I've heard you say to create an Assyria in another area. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it's, so people, you know, they established social clubs and now that we're here, because that was based on a survival mode mentality, mm -hmm. which was perfectly fine. But now, but now that we're here, what do we do? We have to establish our presence as Assyrian Americans. It's no longer a survival mode issue to me. It's a matter of what are we doing to serve our community in a more expansive role? And what are we doing as part of the American fabric as Assyrian Americans? Because survival mode as social clubs is primarily just hanging out, just being together, congregating. But what are we doing about investing in education? Uh, working with elected officials on getting important legislation passed for Assyrians, whether it's teaching about Assyrian history and education in schools. Those, those kind of things, that's not based on survival mentality. That's more like, we are here, what are we going to be doing to establish our presence as Assyrians here? And it's the same with Assyrians in any, any other uh, country, whether it's Australia, Sweden, or anywhere else. So that's why I, I try to stay away from the word, a lot of people use words clubs, yeah, and use the word more associations. And Assyrian be because that's what we are. Our associations. It's it's more of a, a the, the the purposes are, are are more expansive than being a social club. And so that's that that was kind of the goal with us is kind of to take that to that to that level. I don't know other places are doing the same thing, which is great. So yeah, you really want to be a force for thriving for establishing who we are within your community in a formal sort of sense and to to get the benefits of being recognized that mm -hmm. way. And that's different than how do we throw the right kind of party with the right kind of singers and the right... Right. And like that has its own role too, which is great. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I think it's just, it's a fact of, uh, in addition to that. Yeah. It's a more expansive thing. So are you paid to do that work? No, I'm not, but I do, uh, our associations are all volunteer based, but I, that's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that volunteer model is not sustainable for our organizations in the long term. 
And this is something that was written 45 years ago by a man named William Daniel, who was a very famous uh, Assyrian poet, writer, uh, musician. And it's something that kind of makes a lot of sense because, you know, I don't have a family right now. My partner in crime, as I call him, like our vice president, John Coriel, Peter Ward are on board. Like we're all young, but we, so we don't have family. So we can put some time into this. But at the end of the day, on a volunteer basis, if you have, if you have your work, which is understandably a priority because someone's got to eat and you have a family, how much time can you really develop, uh, put into this? 10% of your time, maybe 20%. And the, and the expansive roles, that the work that's, that's required to serve the Assyrian community in Los Angeles or in any other city or the Assyrian community on a national level, it, it should require 100% of your time. And we're the only ones that do it on a volunteer basis. You look at other organizations, they have paid positions in Washington, D.C. and in other places like an executive director or staffing. Uh, I know that's getting into the weeds a little bit, but generally speaking, Volunteer is not going to work long term because then, like that person, can only devote a certain amount of their time. That means the organization can only go so far. And I think it's it's for the sake of our, our our community and our nation as a whole that we need to have people on a full time basis to serve, whether it's an executive director role or staffing. It's what and it's not reinventing the wheel. Everyone else does it. How far away is the Assyrian American Association of Southern California from from paying employing people? Uh, we're working on some, uh, it's, it's basically a financial situation at this point and we are fortunate to be doing okay, but there's always work that can be done. So I think it's just a matter of gaining enough finances and kind of teaching and letting the, the, the people know about this concept, which is a little bit foreign in our community it as is. a whole. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like a, it's something that we all kind of have to talk about and confront because in the end of the day. I kind of see if if it continues as a volunteer model in any city, it's not just here, it's in Los Angeles, it's anywhere else, you won't have very many qualified people taking the reins and doing and doing what they're supposed to with what they want to do. But some would say, well, then it'll open the door for unqualified people who are just trying to make money. So there, but I'm sure there's a mechanism to kind of because, like I said, this is this and we're the only community that's on a volunteer basis. Yeah, I only mention that because there are some folks out there who still think maybe that's happened in the past, and the fact is it's a risk. No matter what, it's a risk. So, but we shouldn't let the exceptions become the standard and prevent mm-hmm. us from really building something long term. Which also raises another question for me. I know that right now a lot of the civic organizations and the churches are doing some similar work. And of course, pastors and priests are paid. Um, so that's an interesting part of who we are as Assyrians, whereas our civic leaders are not, they're not compensated. So where do you see that relationship? Where do you see the role of the church within the Assyrian community and preserving the identity and all of that? I look at it as, I look at it as, I know this might sound a little uh, cheesy, but I look at it all as like we're all lanes in a highway. And whether it's our religious institutions, our civic institutions, our charitable, like whether our associations, our charitable institutions, our educational institutions, we're all lanes in a highway. And our ultimate goal is the same. We just work in different fields. Now, as far as associations, what we're trying to do as part of the, the role of 
you know, we're engaging in advocacy, which is something that not that the churches do not do. You know, for example, we are working with uh, the Armenian and Greek communities and getting genocide recognition for the Assyrian genocide in in Los Angeles and the state of California. That's something that we want to be working on. We were, we're trying to work on, we, we were in, in the California state capitol recently to uh, talk with lawmakers about getting an Assyrian designation for certain students in certain school districts as, a, as, as demographic because there's more a lot of Assyrian, and that's something uh, we, we were working on. Uh, we're, we want to work on some bills and getting some ed- education passed about the genocide, for example. Those things are, are something that I think our associations, and I know we're not the only ones that are doing these things. And so I do think that's like a separate, that, that that's something, I don't know if that's, I don't think churches do that and stuff. There are certain things that say, you know, churches, for example, they do language class, which is great. The more language classes, the better. We have language class. We have a modern history class. The more, the merrier, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the more there are, as far as people, the op- avenues of people learning our language, that's that's best. Um, so, but I, I think of it as like a, a lanes in a highway uh, thing. And as long as we all work together and we all realize the ultimate goal is the same, I think the potential of our community is sky high. And and I and I I, I want to also mention that. I know a lot of, there's like a very cynical mentality in our communities about, you know, and I'll say it in English and Assyrian, like the, the term, like, oh, like, oh, like, oh, we're not going to get anywhere. Right, right. And, and that's, that's, there's, there's a lot of psychological, you know, you can get into like the, the victim of genocide, but that, that, that can go for another time. But so tell us a little more about that. What do you mean? Uh, I went to a seminar, I went to a lecture about, uh, well, we were we had brought uh, Dr. Nicholas Algila from Australia as part of a genocide panel with Armenians, uh, uh, Armenian professors, Jewish professors, and others. And there was a professor about that did a study on the psychological effects of genocide amongst the Rwandan people, mm-hmm. and that kind of struck and and in the general sense. Genocide is not just something that is happens to those that group of people. In our case, it was the hundreds of thousands of Assyrians and Armenians and Greeks that happened in 1915. It did, those were not the only victims. Yes, they lost their lives, which is horrific. But the subsequent generations are also victimized in a different way. It's the psychological aspect of, and it's with indigenous communities with, with, with native with communities that have been victimized against it's the same thing whether it's Native Americans in, in in America Aborigines in Australia there's this there's this psychological effect of cynicism and negativity because why be uh, why be happy about something because we're we've, we've experienced all these bad things we're never going to get anywhere we just go victim it's those kind of things, and that's what they talked about with psychological effects of, of depression and cynicism and negativity, it, it, uh, inferiority complex. Those things are kind of subgrained in the, and this is this is going to these professors. And I thought it was fascinating, the psychological effects. And I do think we have that to a certain degree. Think of, we've gone through a lot as a people, and it's not just with 1915, it was Smele, it was right now with ISIS, what happened with, um, in the Iran-Iraq war, which is a topic a lot of people don't know about, but a lot of Assyrians were actually killed, they pitted Assyrians against each other in that war. I mean, there's been, there's always been something, and so that has had a psychological effect, it could just, even subconsciously, uh, I'm no means an expert on this, I, I, but 
I, I do think that contributes to the cynicism and negativity of uh, that a lot of people have. So what I want to say uh, on a more positive note is that there is a lot of potential in our community. There really is. Uh, the only thing that kind of holds us back is ourselves. And, I, and, and we shouldn't let the fact that, that our numbers are small dictate that we can't do anything. We have a lot of talented people across the board. We have people, we can strengthen our associations. We can strengthen all our institutions. We just got to bring in all these people and, and, and recruit them and, and make sure they don't go away, don't go astray. And uh, you know, we have PhDs, we have, I mean, there's a really lot of talented people. Um, and, and I think that if we realize the potential that we have, uh, you know, it's, I, I think that realization would be crucial. Because I see it, I see, I see it every time I go to different things, like there's these youth conferences, these youth summits, I see that fire of Assyrianism that burns in, in each and one of them. I just want to make sure they don't like get discouraged or distracted, uh, not distracted, but discouraged or disenchanted. And uh, I think if we realize our potential, we could really go a long way. So what I hear you highlighting is a mindset thing where if your mindset is sort of a victim mentality then you're gonna you're gonna act out that way you're yeah. gonna live out that way and we had Savina on the show and Savina Dewood and what I loved about She's what she great. said yeah she said we're not victims we're survivors and there's a major difference and I think that's the new narrative for Assyrians that would be valuable mm -hmm. beyond what we've suffered is what we've overcome so it sounds like that really resonates with you. And, and when you think of the organization you're leading, you're trying to shift that, shift the culture. That's not easy. It's not, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. The unwinding of a, of, of a mentality that's been there for a long time, that, that you know, affects somebody, the way they look at their personal lives and it affects those people, because those same people that run our, have been running our institutions. So, and I don't blame them. Like, I don't blame them at all. Like, I, I, under, I understand. It's just, it's this thing that we have to kind of unwind slowly. And uh, that might take a little bit of time, but I have time. <laughs> yeah, it's time to redirect is yeah. what I'm hearing. So that's awesome, Ramon. And just to know that you're at the helm and you're doing these things. What do you see for the future, like tangible next steps in terms of what you guys are doing over there in Los Angeles? Well, hopefully, oh, I just want to clarify, it's Southern our, California. Yeah, well, I also comes the Orange County uh -huh. and, you know, because people, because our vice president and one of our board directors are, are from Orange County and they always correct people and say, I'm not from Los Angeles, I'm from Orange County. I'm like, oh, come on, you know. Just, going back to what you want to do with the association going forward. Again, just to kind of build that foundation to serve in a spectrum of areas, whether it's cross-community outreach, public advocacy, education, arts services, youth services senior citizen services that's ultimately like the goal and just to kind of expand on that i think as far as and one thing for me is important is advocacy on uh, an advocacy and cross-community outreach because uh our voice as a community will be further amplified and raised when we stand with others because you know because they'll stand with us because we are not the only i mean as We've gone through a tremendous amount. We are survivors. We're strong, resilient people, and I'm proud to be a part of that. That are a, a member of that people of this people. But we have to also understand that there were there are other communities that have have suffered similar things, and if we stand together, 
then they'll stand with us. And it, 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 it requires us to kind of open ourselves out a little bit as whether you're Assyrian Americans or Assyrian Canadians or whatever, Assyrians in whatever country uh, that people reside, uh, just kind of build that cross-community outreach as far as public advocacy, uh, trying to get different, as I was talking about, different educational initiatives passed uh, for Assyrians. One thing that I think is absolutely crucial that we'll be working on and we're gonna hopefully work on with our counterparts in other cities in California and throughout the country is the census 2020. And uh, as far as, uh, I know there was a, a joke last time, uh, that, uh, a spoof video that Iranians had made about uh, the community of Maz Jibrani, about how Iranians say, oh, we're white, we're white. You could just substitute the word Iranian and put Assyrian there, and it's the exact same video, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of Assyrians that say, we're white, and I mean, we're not. Or they don't want to put anything because uh, the government, they don't want to give their information to the government. It was just like based on those, those mentalities. And we have to, and our numbers are severely underreported, underrepresented in this country. And the advantages that we can get by, you know, for example, you can gain minority status. I think in Turlock, they're working on getting minority status. But in other places, you know, in, in, in Chicago or other cities that have a significant Assyrian population, there's a lot of benefits. And if the people, if, if we are properly represented and accounted for, that's a huge step for us. And so that's what hopefully we'll be working on. And this is where I think the, the churches would be instrumental with the, this is where like all the institutions can come together. Yeah. And, and work on this is because between all the, the numbers that we all have together and doing a massive census drive, and we have to start that soon because since it's just around the corner. Yeah. So th those, are, those are the initiatives that we're um, hoping to just uh, expand on. And yeah. Awesome. That's, you got your work cut out for you. Yeah. So thank you. It's for, a, it's a, but I just, it yeah. is really a team effort. I, we have a fantastic team and I'm just a part of that team. And I'm just, you know, it's definitely just not me. I can promise you that. So that's awesome. Way to, way to always give those guys credit. I know they, I know everybody on your team works really hard. So everybody that's on the Assyrian podcast, I like to ask them this question at the end. Sure. Is if you had one thing you could say to all Assyrians who are listening to the Assyrian podcast all over the world, we have listeners in Canada, in Australia, in Germany, all across the United States, and in Sweden, and in the homeland. This is your chance, whatever you want to say. Remember the quote, uh, the quote I said earlier, is I, always I always wondered why somebody didn't do anything about that, but then I realized I was somebody. I know it can be difficult, I know it can be frustrating to want to get involved in associations in your community, but there's no, no one else, first of all, it is, a, it is an honor to do it because there's a fire that burns in each and every one of us. Anyone that's on social, like I get the frustrations, roll up your sleeves and get to it. I'm honored to be part of a team and we're mostly millennials that run an association in Los Angeles. You, anyone can do it too. Just roll up your sleeves and get to work. It's very easy to sit on social media and, and, and say, oh, they're like, oh I, I can't get my voice heard. You can get your voice heard. It just, you just gotta get to it. You just gotta be active. You gotta roll up your sleeves and get to work. As I, there's a lot of potential in a lot of our, in, in, in our community. And so let's, let's do that. I, I see like a, a I get the frustrations. I get your thing. Oh, no one is going to listen to me. No, they will listen to you. You'd be surprised. So I hope you, I hope anyone out there, we need more people on deck in every city. 
There's always a man and woman power issue in every city, and the potential is endless as long as everyone rolls up their sleeves and gets to work. And that's what I like to say. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being Thank on you. the Syrian it podcast. An honor. It was a lot of fun hearing more about the association and about you. And um, we'll have to link up again next time we're around the same town and hear what the latest is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.